Revenge. Some say it's a dish best served cold. Others say it should be steaming hot and delivered right to the kisser. It's also not often you think of a saint exacting revenge, but for this 10th century widow, that might just be what she's best known for. Our protagonist didn't shy away from going above and beyond in her quest for revenge, with conniving plots and devious schemes to boot. Join us this week on Cheeky Tales as we discuss the epic story of St. Olga of Kiev. Hey, you going, boy? Hey, boy. How you going? Yeah, right. Pretty good. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. <laughs> Having fun over there? Yeah, mate. John is playing a soccer manager game that, <laughs> that we both have played hectically for a few years on and off. So John might not be paying attention for the first 10 minutes of this. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, you have my full attention. That took him 20 seconds to respond to. I've edited that down. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so this week, boy, we're going medieval. I think this is the oldest tale that we've had, aside from the little bits of the St. Nick one that you did. Oh, going to get medieval on this. Yep, on this. Um, do you know anything about St. Olga? No. Not yeah. a clue. Oh well, it's um. I it's thought, a- I thought you were going to tell me she invented the uh, middle finger, just because that's <laughs> what you were doing to me. Yeah. So John, as we as I was about to read the introduction, he goes, "Oh yeah, here we go, one take, hey." And I told him I'd do it in one, and he goes, oh, "Whatever, we'll see." So as I nailed it on the first take, I gave him the double bird. And I thought that was a reference to the story. I thought you were going to no. tell me she invented the bird. Wouldn't that be fun? I wonder <laughs> who did. Anyway, um. Yeah, so this takes place in the 10th century, uh, which I didn't know a hell of a lot about, to be honest. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is another classic. I had a lot of fun hearing about this story. Yeah, cool. Uh, and Sounds I think interesting. Yeah. A saint who, the patron saint of revenge. Well, uh, I do say it later, but she's the, pa- where is it? The, oh, so far down, uh, the patron saint of widows and converts. So not related to revenge at all. Yeah, Don't right. worry. I misremembered that. But um, you ready to get started? Well, it just, re- it just reminded me, I think. Yeah. And we're going to have to f- maybe fact check this. Well, lucky I've got a laptop um, right here. <laughs> but you know how he said who, who invented the bird? Yeah. Well, I think originally it was, you know, the forks. Yeah. I think that's what flipping the bird is. I don't think it's a middle finger. Well, no. The forks. I, I, I know the origin of the forks. It's... Archers would um, march into battle holding up their fingers because one of the punishments they do to capture the archers is take off their... Oh, right. Chop off their fingers so they can't fire arrows. Okay. So they'd be walking into battle showing the enemy with their two fingers and they're going, look, we've got all our fingers. We are going to shoot you with our oh, bows and arrows. And that's, okay. that's where that comes from. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, after a quick Google, flipping the bird uh, way earlier than I thought... Um, first known use of flipping the bird was in ancient Greece. The Greek philosopher Diogenes, born in Sinope in 412 BC, was one of the founders of cynicism and a bit of an, a troublemaker from the start. That's according to oddfeed.net. Where'd you score another goal? <laughs> I just missed. Oh, damn. It's still new. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There's a, there's a cheeky little bit to start your episode. Our story begins long before the main event in the area known as Rus in the 9th century. Rus covered parts of modern-day Russia, Ukraine, and Finland, and was less a country than sort of a collection of Eastern and Northern European tribes who got together to trade and provide each other protection from outside tribes. 
As is the way with arrangements like this, though, they didn't always agree and would frequently go to war. In 862 AD, two such tribes, the Finnic and Slavic tribes, would push back a Viking tribe called the, Ver- called the Varangarians from their land, pushing them back across the ocean. After doing this, the Finnic and Slavic tribes then started fighting amongst themselves. With the warring becoming so bad, they decided to do the best thing they could think of, which was to call the Varangarians and ask them to rule them. So they... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> no. They're like, get these people out of here. Hang on a minute. So yeah, the... um. The, the way that it sort of worked was that the Varangarians were like a um, Viking tribe. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh, these guys all know how to rule us. Let's just get them to sort us out. Yeah, right. Um, and it- um, That just makes no sense. Oh, no, I think, I think that was, wasn't too strange for Vikings. I think I've heard of Vikings doing something similar. Like they mm. couldn't work something out, so they get a third party into yeah. almost mediate type of thing. Mm. Well- um, it worked. Uh, the, the ruler of the Varangarians, Aririk, would accept the request to rule over the two tribes. And over the next 20 years, under the rule of Aririk's clansman Oleg, after Aririk's death, uh, they had expanded their control down to Kiev, which they would then declare the capital, giving the country the name the Kievan Rus. Yeah, right. As is usual with empires, they this started- was, This was about 800, because you said it's the 9th century. So yes. Okay. It was 862, yeah. I think, was yeah. when the- the agreement was first made. As is usual with empires, they started to push their boundaries through war and trade and would begin to develop enemies outside and within their realm. Rierik's clanman, Oleg, would continue to rule and during this time would marry and have a child who he would name Olga. Obviously our protagonist. Pro- yeah, okay, I was about to say, where's, where's our protagonist coming yeah. in? Well, some of this stuff kind of matters because you need to understand why these people were ruling these people. Mm -hmm. When Olga was of age, she would be married to Igor, who was in fact the son of Rerik, and therefore would be the heir to the throne when Oleg eventually passed away in uh, 913. I know we've had our like English episodes with our favourite names, Henry and all that, but don't you love these like, um, what's the class you call it? Eastern European. Yeah, like your Eastern European Nordic names, Oleg. Oleg, Igor, Olga, mm. Rerik. Just you just you wouldn't run into a Rerik in Australia. Would no, you? <laughs> no, you're not running into it. I'm um I'm doing a bit of work at the moment with a guy called Ilya. Oh, that's yeah, that's a bit yeah, that's close, Slovenian name. Yeah. yeah. So Olga, uh, sorry, yeah, Olga and Igor were the 10th century version. Oh, you scored another goal, <laughs> yes, Jeff. I scored one. Okay, John's it's, really paying attention to this. It's now one nil. Ooh, it's 20 minutes to go. In-game minutes. Hang on, I need to do, I need to do a substitution. Oh, okay, I'll just um, just sit here and watch you do that then. Okay. <laughs> so, Olga and Igor would be the 10th century version of Beyonce and Jay-Z, as they both shared monarch heritage, and that gave them an advantage. Is that something that you read off a website, or you've made that nope. your own? That was me. Okay. I read that they were a power couple, and okay. I was like, hmm, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Uh, together, they would have one son who they called Savatislav. Okay, go these yeah. four little names to Savatislav. Savatislav, okay. So now we're done with the like history of Kiev and Rus. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into the stuff that matters for Olga. It's strange that well, Kiev's kept its name, hasn't it? Yes. That doesn't and happen too often, I suppose, does it? 
Well, yeah, uh, not often. Hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of these places sort of exist for a long, long time. London's about this old. Yeah. Um, but Rus, what country do you think took the name Rus? Belarus. Mm-hmm. And Russia. Russia. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, there's a couple of countries that took the name of this place as well. So, the rule and downfall of Igor. Igor continued to expand Kiev's rule over more and more of those surrounding them. There were brief conflicts with some lands that they had, that they had already controlled, including a neighbouring tribe called the Drevlians. The Drevlians had stopped paying tribute to the Rus, instead paying a local warlord. Igor rounded up his army and marched into the capital Iskoristan. This would be enough to scare the Drevlians into paying tribute once more, and there would be no need for war. Again, a bit Jay-Z there. It seemed that at this time, Igor had brought peace to the land he controlled. I brought peace to my new empire. Your new empire. Uh, Sorry. Just realized halfway through that, that this is another Star Wars yep. thing. What's <laughs> <laughs> coming? Kenobi's out on Friday. I still want to play Lego Star Wars. I think that looks so fun. Hmm. Over the next few years, Igor would continue to lead attacks against neighbouring lands, including some with mixed results against Constantinople of the Byzantine Empire. Raids on Constantinople were fast and cruel. However, the Byzantine forces would eventually push, push, push the Rus. <laughs> they'd push out. They'd push out. <laughs> push. Please don't restart my laptop. Can't restart a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, that would have been nice. After further attacks, there would be a truce agreed between the Byzantine and the Rus. A and truce, so a truce with the Rus. Truce with the Rus and the Busies. <laughs> Dr. Zeus writes right this episode. Truce with the Rus. This episode brought to you by Dr. Zeus. <laughs> Igor seemed to have gained a lot of confidence from both the intimidation of the Drevlians and his attacks on the Byzantines. As when he went to the Drevlians to gather their tribute again in 945 AD, he decided once they'd left that he hadn't asked for enough. He left his okay. army and returned to Iskoristan with just a small escort. Frustrated by this disrespect, the Drevelians would attack and take Igor hostage. So, you like your hostage stories, don't you? I mean, how many other hostage stories have I done? James Cook. Oh, yeah, all right. That's literally my last yeah. episode. <laughs> I've hist- got, got a history doing this of just like back-to-back link, back link linked episodes. episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what a- how am I going to link my next episode? <laughs> 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 a brief history of animal hand jobs. <laughs> you um, went there. I, I yeah. Could have been anything else. You, you had to bring that into it. And now we're going to put the icky warning on again. <laughs> nah. um, what a what a bold move to be like, hmm, no, I think I need more and mm. just turn around and go back. But yeah, now the uh, the Drevlians have him hostage. So where where is that in modern day? Where's Dre- Drevlian? Um. So if you know where Kiev is, mm-hmm. it's like slightly to the northeast, I believe, northwest. So it's still in like modern day Ukraine. Yeah, it's in that like Ukraine, Belarus, yep, that sort of area. Okay. Deciding. I to- mean, yeah, I can give you props for tackling this episode in the current world climate, boy. In this areas, and I mean, it's not really. Re- uh, it's a touch. Well, it, I wouldn't say it's a touchy subject, but it's not related at all. It's not. No, but it's a thousand years ago. Yeah. But still, we're talking about this area and what's happening yeah. at the moment and to the unfortunate population of Ukraine and what they're having to go through. Mm. It is a very messy situation. So, north, I know, Chernobyl's northwest of Kiev, isn't it? No, it's northeast of Kiev. 
I thought it was south. Mm-hmm. I think it's southeast. Okay. I thought, okay. Let's find out. Because that is another story from that region that you love. Well, I wouldn't say love, but are very interested in. I love that story. So crazy. Let's go to maps. It'd be funny if the story you're telling now is taking place like modern day Chernobyl. Well, I mean, it's surely not. It's Kiev on this map. Okay, no, you're right. It was northwest. Yeah, so the Drevlians are northeast, I believe you said. Well, I'm just going to find out, actually. It's currently called Coriston, where this town was, that this all took place. And it is... Uh, it's sort of, if you made a triangle between Kiev and um, Chernobyl to the northwest, mm-hmm. it's like over there. Yeah. It's like to, east, the, east to the of, west. Oh, west of Chernobyl. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to derail you, but... That's all right. I just thought that might be an interesting link. Chernobyl story. coming soon. Ooh. Maybe not. Watch this. Watch the just show. watch a TV show and imagine me talking about it. <laughs> so. We could do a watch along. We're getting a bit, getting into the into the meat of this story now. Yeah, we haven't, yeah. Where's the protagonist? She's just a little kid at this time. And the- no, no. This is, she's married to Igor at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, true, true. I thought yeah. that was So she's dad. like, no, married to Igor. 20s. Yeah. yeah. So this is the meat of what caused all this. Deciding to end the intimidation, the Drevlians would end Igor's life in a particularly gruesome way. Okay, yep. They bent two trees towards each other and then tied them to the ground. Igor was then tied to the trees, one leg and one arm to each tree, and then the restraints keeping the trees would be cut, splitting Igor in two. Whoa. Like a string cheese. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So just up the middle. Whoa. Yeah. They're flexible trees. Yeah. Super gross. <laughs> Super gross. Yeah. So that's, um, that's one way to kill a man. Look, love, we didn't kill him. He, just, <laughs> he didn't want to let go of these trees. He just loved trees, man. We Whoa. tried to tell him. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, in that moment just being- Just the force to yeah. literally rip a person in half. Yeah. So, like, diagonal leg and arm or, like- No, like, left to right, I imagine. So, it's, like, not split Actually, vertically? Actually, I don't know. Like no, I think it was split up the middle. Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gross. <laughs> You haven't seen Doctor Strange, have you? No. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Cool. You just made a reference. I thought you were Any movie? Seen I've not seen it. Just assume that. Okay. Spoiler warning for Doctor Strange. You, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Well, gross, I'll just say, without knowing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's the thing that the revenge is referencing mm. is Igor being split. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The beginning. Jeez, of, that'd be messy. Just yeah, imagine all the blood, and like then you got to cut the bits of the body off the tree, uh, and like ugh. No, I imagine it like a slingshot. Just one half's gone that way, the other half's gone. Oh, and it would like <laughs> they like yeah. spin back together around yeah. the tree. Oh, spraying stuff everywhere. And then they'd end and up just lying and like hanging in the tree. But there'd also be like I assume stuff's not getting held in anymore. So it'd be no, like the forces would be just oh. flicking everywhere. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, and I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't either. That's disgusting. I'm, I'm sorry for the mental got, image, everyone. This got very R-rated very quick. <laughs> this got very sore. The beginning of the revenge. With Igor having met his untimely demise, the throne would pass to Svatoslav. There's just a small problem with that, though. Svatoslav was just three years old. With the support of the Kievan Rus army and the backing of the peeper, a peeper, people, 
Olga would step in as regent to rule the land until Svatoslav grew up enough to stop pooping his pants. Meanwhile, the Drevlian army were feeling pretty good about themselves after capturing and splitting Igor. Oh, did you have to say it that way? <laughs> and so... <laughs> pretty foul, eh? Oh. And so felt that now would be the time to press their advantage. They decided they would send 20 of their best negotiators and nobles via boat to Kiev, where they would enter the court of Olga to speak to her. Like, do you reckon it was instant, or do you reckon it was a slow, like, tear in half? I mean... There'd be some resistance in the human body, surely. Or do you yeah, it like- but it must have been pretty quick. I mean, they're trees. How much force would be required to pull a tree down? How much force is it required to rip a human in half? Apparently, two trees worth. Two tree power. Sorry to bring come back here. I've just I'm, I've never heard. I've heard of some like I've looked yeah. up some weird execution tactics. That's a new one. Yeah, that's pretty gross. It's a new one. Yeah, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole on Wikipedia of like. Like strange weird execution yeah. methods. Yeah, There's some don't weird do it. Out there. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Mm. Um, I regret going down that rabbit hole. So yeah, they send twenty people just to go see Olga, which pretty Isn't bold. Pressing. Did you say they're trying to like? So they're not sending an army. They're sending no. It's twenty. Okay. What was it? Twenty nobles and negotiators. I was, was going to say, how big are these towns? Like mm. the army's twenty people. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, no, this was like a political mission. Okay. They're like, hey, let's go make a deal. Sure. We just tore your husband in half. Like, let's. This is not going to end well for these twenty people. In what must have felt like one of the most bold plays of all time, the Drevlians would propose to Olga. Literally, oh. they came with the offer of marriage from Prince Mal of the Drevlians, who I imagine wished to bind the two countries by marriage and take control of what he thought must be a Kievan Rus in turmoil. Surprisingly, Olga would say, "Your proposal." <clears throat> I was going to do a voice. Are you? Say it in Russian first. No. Oh, well, yeah, what language are I'm they just, speaking? Are they speaking like a Russian? I don't know. It'd be some sort of Slavic, like, yeah. or Finnic, okay. sort of. Yeah. I mean, they were Vikings, so. Do the voice. Your proposal is pleasing to me. <laughs> Indeed. My husband cannot rise again from the dead, but I desire to honour your tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return now to your boat and remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow, and you shall say, We will not ride on horses, nor go on foot. Carry us in our boat, and you shall be carried in your boat. And so, I feel mm-hmm. like this is where the term a ruse comes from. <laughs> she's she's doing a ruse here, because she's the leader of the ruse. Yeah. And she's setting these guys up, and she's going to, like, torch the boat and kill them all in a... In a or that something. is not what's going to happen. Okay. Mm. Continue. I feel like I've given you just enough of an idea of what she's like to know that something's up. But I feel but, like this is the term ruse. This is the origin yeah. of this term. But so she said to them, yeah, great. Um, I like that idea. Let's do it. Go back to your boat and tomorrow we'll honour you by carrying you on your boat into the court. How big's a boat? Enough for 20 people. That's, that's okay. That's Decent a, sized boat. That's, a, that's an effort. Yeah. Again with the boats, boy. What are you, anyway, I mean the boats aren't the point of the story. But <laughs> all right, if you want to link it to Titanic and all the other ones, Cook, South Pole. I've done a lot of boat things, haven't I? <laughs> I've done one. There was boats in um, Balloon Fest. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah, the guys that died. And so the Drevlians would return to their boat and wait out the night. 
believing that their plan had worked against all odds. The following morning, they would do as they'd been told and would instruct the people of Kiev to carry them in their boat. The people would do as they were asked, lifting the boat high above their heads. The Drevelians saw this as a great honour. Right up until the moment they were dumped in the massive trench that Olga had requested be dug the night before. Once in the trench, the people would bury the Drevelians alive, with Olga reported to have bent down, watching them be buried and ask, Do you find this honour to your taste? So he got them to dig a massive hole and then just dump them in. How big is this boat? Yeah. For what? How big is the boat? I was just the people have carried it with 20 people in it. At what point do you reckon they were like, where are you taking us, guys? They've also dug a hole. What's that big hole? So it's obviously not a ship with a mask. It's literally like maybe a- I think it was like a big rowboat. Like a Viking boat. Yeah, kind of. But that's- that's still an effort to carry yeah. with 20 people in it and to have a hole big enough yeah. that people can't get out of. And then, Yeah, so it must be deep and it must be wide enough. And then, yeah, she's just like, hey, how's this for an honour? Like, <laughs> she's crazy. Wow. And it escalates from here. Oh, jeez, all right. I'm going to nickname this lady Dee's. <laughs> Dee's nuts? Yeah. <laughs> That's what she's going to say to all these people she buries. But- How do you like Dee's? Just imagine the Drevlians in the boat. They're like, oh, this is great. You know, gonna, hang on. What's that hole? Jeez. Ah! Yeah. And then buried alive. Yeah, buried alive. Mm. Yeah. The second course of revenge. After the hole had been filled with Drevlian stone and dirt, Olga would then send a message stone? to- Stone? Yeah. So they've stoned these people as well as they've buried them alive. Yeah, they dunked big stones in there. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't a sound effect. That was me just going- Olga would then send a message to Prince Mal, informing him of her desire to be escorted to Iskoriston by the best men of the Drevlian tribe. Prince Mal, believing at this point that the marriage was a sure thing, would agree, sending his best men to Kiev right away. She's done another ruse. Yeah, you can see this one coming now, can't you? Mm-hmm. By this point, word had not made it to the Drevlians of the fate of the 20 people he had already sent. As you can imagine, word didn't travel fast in the 10th century. And so, the men being sent on this trip would have no idea of the horror that those before them had faced, nor the absolute menace that they were being sent to meet. When the men arrived, Olga would immediately notice that the men were filthy from their trip and advise them that they needed to take a bath before they could discuss the marriage any further. What is she going to do? The men would agree and would make their way to the bathhouse not far from the court. All I can think of, I can't think of what she's going to do. Is she going to drown them? She's going to people ambush them in the bathhouse and just... Hold their heads underwater. Well, at this point, she hasn't really... like All she's done has been like, oh, man, you guys stink. Go yeah. take a shower. Hmm. So they get into the, the bathhouse. Once inside, the men would get down to the business of cleaning themselves up, while outside, the people of Kiev would again get down to business. The bathhouse would be barricaded up with large stones, blocking it from all sides. Then, with the men inside, the bathhouse would be set on fire burning the men inside alive before the building would burn to the ground. I was one story too quick with my burning. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Now she's burnt them to death. She's buried alive. Burned alive. Burnt their own bathhouse down. Yeah. I don't think, I I think the people of Kiev were kind of annoyed too because Igor had been a good leader. Yeah. And Olga uh, turned out to be a very good leader. So I think she's kind of got the people on her side with this one. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anyone's too upset about the bathhouse going. And how many, how many good men were sent? Um, there wasn't really a number on this one. Okay. Um, but it was just like the best men of 
is Coruscant. Yeah, so I would now say, probably the best soldiers and leaders from yeah. Coruscant are now dead. Yeah. Now they're ripe for a, an army attack. The main course. At this point, Olga had decided it was time to take the revenge trip to the Drevlians herself. I feel like Prince Mal isn't surviving this episode. Let's get there. <laughs> Is he going to have the same treatment? Is he going to be split in half by two trees? Let's find out. No, I don't think she'd do that. I don't think she'd do the same. I think she'd come up with her own. Her own method? Yeah. Yeah. She seems like a she seems like a individual kind of gal. Mm. So she sets off from Kiev to Eskoriston. Prince Mal was still completely in the dark about what had happened to his people, and so believed that he was still engaged. <laughs> Olga would send ahead that the Drevlians should prepare great quantities of mead. As she- He's still engaged to the Grim Reaper. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> she's killed like th- at least 25 yeah. people by this point. She's in- she's in- he's engaged to death herself. Yeah. So she tells them, hey, Drevlians, get a bunch of mead ready. We're going to have a big feast when I get there. You know what mead is? Uh, it's, um, isn't it honey? Yeah, it's made from honey. Yeah. It's alcoholic fermented honey. I don't know what else yeah. they do to it. I've never tried it, but I really want to. Yeah, me too. I was talking about yeah. it at work the other day. I'm like, oh, I wonder if you can make your own meat you know, with some honey and stuff like that. And they're like, mm. what? What do you mean? I'm like, honey? Yeah. I, I guess made from honey. People assume that meat is just beer. Mm, no, it's, yeah. it's honey based. So it must be sweet. But people used to drink it so much back in the day. I wonder if you can get mead from Dan Murphy's. <laughs> I bet you you can. I'll bet you you can. If not, Dan Brown's. Harry, Harry Brown? Dan Harry Brown. Brown. What's Dan Brown? Dan Murphy's combination. Yeah, you can get mead. Next. Maxwell Honey Mead. Next cheeky towel, we're going to have some mead. Towel. It's only 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get gonna, some mead. You're going to have some mead for our next episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right, sweet. It's in stock where we live. <laughs> On arrival outside of Scoriston, she would tell Prince Mal that before there could be any marriage, she would need to see the body of her husband and farewell him with a funeral feast. Which part? Well, they, they dug him up. <laughs> yeah, but which part? <laughs> they only bury half which of side the- of the body would you want to see? Probably the side with the head. I imagine the head hasn't split in half. Yeah, I imagine it would like rip off. Up the neck, yeah. Oh, gross. We've yeah. Got, I've gone back in the weeds. I wonder if they just like... Put him put back, back together. together. <laughs> or they're just like, together. here's his bits. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> it just doesn't get better, does it? <laughs> she insisted that the Drevlians take part in the feast, and so thousands of Drevlians would leave the city walls to attend the party. And what a party it was. The Drevlians would drink and eat themselves into a real buzz, with the army entirely wasted outside the city walls. It seemed Olga and her army might not have been in the partying mood after all, though, as they weren't drinking. And so we're completely sober. Mm-hmm. I think you can see where this might be mm-hmm. going. Olga would give the word and the Kievan Rus army would unleash hell on the drunk Drevlians, slaughtering roughly 5,000 of them in total by the time the evening was through. Whoa! Olga was said to have walked amongst the massacre, egging on her soldiers and even getting in a couple of stabs to help them along. Is this like the first Red Wedding? That was... Somebody said this that the, she went full red wedding on them. That, that, yeah. That's, that's beyond red wedding. This is like- Yeah. This is like- Red funeral. Red wedding times 10. Yeah. Super saying red wedding. Yeah. So, <laughs> can you, like, 
at some point, someone must have been like, you want to have a drink? And the Kievan Rus are like, no. And they wouldn't have been like, yeah, okay. Someone's gone, hang on, this don't feel right. This feels like a yeah. ruse. But yeah. Uh, a ruse. <laughs> yeah, so now 5,000 of the army's been moided. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, Bunny? Moided. <laughs> and um, Prince Mal, probably at this point, I think he's worked out that mm-hmm. maybe he's not getting married. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not getting that ring. Olga would, <laughs> Olga would then return to Kiev to prepare her army for a second visit to Iskoristan to finish off the remaining people of the Drevlian tribe. So they head back. So they didn't just kill soldiers, they killed just the townspeople as well. Townspeople. Uh, I think it was just the army at first. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think at this point the like, people of Iskoristan were out there. She's, um, she's coming back now for... Yeah, so now she's going back to get... For the her, second course. Yeah, the dessert. Olga would begin to make her way through the Drevlian lands, fighting the Drevlian armies along the way and beating the survivors back into their cities and extracting tribute from them. So Escoriston's not the only Drevlian city. There's mm-hmm. like a bunch there. When she arrived at Escoriston, though, they refused to pay their tribute, unsurprisingly, and so figured that instead of another trick, which they might just work out, she wanted to declare war. There was one catch, though, in that she couldn't declare war as she was a woman. Apparently, that was a thing. Okay. Despite being the, the regent of the whole- Yep. Yep. And murdering a bunch of people. Moided. Moided. Smart as attack, as always, though. She would get her son, Savatislav, who was now 10 years old, onto the back of a horse, give him a spear, and tell him to just throw as hard as his little arms could go. While the spear barely made it past the horse's head, <laughs> just, just into the back of the head, <laughs> just the, the horse, horse collapses. Down. Oh, my son's dead. Oh well, no, so he just like, like just just past the yeah. horse's head. But that was all that was required. Mm-hmm. Um, that was how they could declare war. So Fair off enough. go, off go the Kievan Rus army, and they started tracking, tracking, attacking the Drevlians, driving them back inside the city walls and beginning a siege. Yeah, sieges ain't good. No, no. Sieges wouldn't be good now. No. Yeah, so if anyone doesn't- It's a bit different now. You could at least get like food and stuff airdropped into your city if you were sieged. There's no airdrops back then. No, no. So if anyone doesn't know what a siege is, um, especially with a walled city, uh, you basically just stop anyone in, anyone out, um, and that just happens until either the siege is broken. Yeah, including supplies and- Yeah, or the- I mean, the people inside the city just give up. I think you'll find this blockade is perfectly legal. Another Star Wars Another reference. One. <laughs> and it has to be like the boring Senate stuff, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's the start of Phantom Menace when the Queen's talking to Newt Gunray. Right. Okay. Sure. Cool. Is that legal? I will make it legal. Sorry. The siege would continue for a year before Olga would send word a to year? the- year? Yep. Jeez. Before Olga would send word to the Drevlians inside. But they're eating people inside, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. There's some cannibalism yeah. going on. Yeah. Poor little Timmy. They split a person in half with two trees. They're eating. They're, they're eating. eating each other. Yeah, they're eating granny. <laughs> she would say, Why do you persist in holding out? All of your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute, so that the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace but you had rather die of hunger without submitting to tribute. The Drevlians would reply. You like that voice? I think it's pretty good. Okay. It's like she's sitting here. Mm. I hope not. 
I would be killed. Hey, we didn't kill her husband. She'd be like, would you like to meet me in the kitchen? No. No. How about you just go outside? No, wait. You go over there. <laughs> the Drevelians would reply, understandably, that they were afraid that Olga was still intent on getting revenge for Igor's death. On hearing this, it seemed that Olga decided that she wanted peace, and so would reply to the Drevlians that the murder of the two groups in Kiev, as well as the slaughter of the Drevlian army the previous year, had been enough to quench her thirst for revenge. She would request just three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. Obviously the Drevlians Drevlians were thrilled to hear that their revenge tour was over, and so would quickly pay the price and send the birds to the Kievan Rus army. So what do you think she's playing at? What do you think she's doing? Why is she asking for, was it pigeons or doves? Three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. Does each house have? Apparently. Does, okay. I don't know. She's, she's lying. She's, so you don't believe her though? You don't no, think she's, she's decided to? She's strapping dynamite to these birds and the pigeons are going to, the homing pigeons are all going to fly back. And boom! You are close. Or she's going to disease, um, infect the birds with a disease and it's going to kill the people. Well, maybe it was too soon to say that Olga had given up her quest for revenge as she instructed her people to attach pieces of sulphur wrapped in cloth to the legs of the birds. She's got explosive <laughs> birds. Yeah. Then, I got it. You got it in one. <laughs> and then as night fell, to light the cloth and sulphur on fire before releasing the birds. Being homing pigeons, they would return to the houses they were brought from, lighting them ablaze when they landed. The sparrows would return to their nests in the city, adding to the fire, and it's reported that not a single building was spared from the flames. Good job, boy. <laughs> Good job. I know dynamite was a bit early for them, but... I mean, uh, it's pretty close. I, I, it's a firebombing. I, I don't know what they would have used Can for Can you imagine? They're just like, oh, good. She's just getting like this, you know, maybe it's... Maybe it's symbol. Maybe it's symbolic. Maybe we're just giving us some birds, you know, peaceful offering. Oh, great! We're going to be out. Oh God, they're coming! Hang on back. a minute. They're on fire. What, what are all those flaming balls in oh. the sky? Oh crap! And then everything on fire, pretty much immediately. Like <laughs> they reckon the whole town on fire. I mean, what a way to set a town on fire! Like, yeah, it wasn't us. It was the birds, bro. I think the birds would have died as well. I'm assuming. Yeah. Can you imagine if a bird like pooped as it was flying, like this flaming bird? <laughs> like it's bad enough when you get pooed on by a bird, but it's now it's, on <laughs> it's flaming. Have <laughs> I got is something that, in my hair? Is that good or bad luck? Is it good? Is it good I luck because a bird pooped on you, or is it bad luck? luck it's on fire? I don't think any of that's good luck. Okay, what happened to Prince Mal? Did his cast his house castle burn down from the pigeons and the? So they don't actually say what happened to Prince Mal specifically. Oh. Um, it's assumed he died in the- It's assumed that he was slaughtered at some point. Um, whether birds. part of the 5,000. Yeah, birds. Flaming birds. Oh, man. Like, oh, it's just crazy. She's like- That's quite- Set that's, the birds on fire. That's really smart. <laughs> yeah. As the people of Escoriston fled the burning city, she instructed her soldiers to catch them, killing a third, enslaving a third, and forcing the remaining third to live in the smouldering remains of the city- so they could continue to pay tribute the next time that she came around. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. She, um. Is this, is this the term where, how, what is it? Um, wrath. Wrath knows no fury like, like a, a woman, woman scorned. scorned. I don't think so, but this is apt if this, I've ever heard it. Yeah. <laughs> what a baller woman though. Wow. It's like, hmm, I'm going to systematically destroy your entire tribe. And she does it. I wonder if she would have done it if they hadn't said, hey, do you want to marry Prince Mal? Oh, no, she would have done it. Yeah, you reckon? Yeah. 
Yeah, because she would have come to the town at some point yeah. and like gone for him. Yeah. But birds, flaming birds. Yeah. Wow. So we've got buried alive. Yep. We've got burned alive. Uh, yep. We've got slaughtered while drunk, drunk at a party. Yep. And now we've got burned alive and stabbed and enslaved and forced, forced to, live to live in, in smoldering wreckage. Yeah. So, yeah. Whew. What next? How does she become a saint? We, we will get to that. <laughs> she doesn't seem very saintly. I knew you would ask that question. <laughs> so I've included a whole section on why is this woman who is an absolute maniac a saint? Because usually it's um, posthumous, isn't it? The, yeah. Yeah. I think it's always posthumous. Mm. Yeah. From here, Olga would finally have completed the revenge of her husband's death and would change her focus to the reform of the tribute system in her territory. She would split up the land into units controlled by her representatives and would standardise the tribute system as well as set times for when they would be due. Uh, it's considered to be the first system of taxation in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. So a lot less interesting, but once Svatoslav was old enough to lead, he would leave Olga to rule over the people of the Kievan Rus while he would go out with the army and do some conquering. Going to push those boundaries out a bit wider. Personally, she would receive several offers of marriage from rulers of the time, despite the insane way she'd treated the last person. I was going to do say, so. that's, that's, you got some nuts to be doing that. Yeah. Can you imagine being like, yeah, no, nah, I, want, I want a piece of that. In saying that, though, like you just said, what a baller woman. You'd be yeah. like, yeah, no, nah, that's, that's the woman for me. She's And she's shown herself as a really good leader. Yeah. Yeah. She set up like a proper taxation system. Mm-hmm. She's getting consistent money in. Um, the people she's love very her. Very clever. Yeah. 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 Switched on. Yeah. So yeah, she turned them all down. No more marriage for her. She was loyal to Igor to the very end. Oh, sweet. Olga. Olga would eventually die in 969. Nice from illness <laughs> with her son Savatislav delaying a move of the capital to be with her until she passed. 969. Yes. And she was born in what 6862. After 862. So she lived to like her 70s. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, Savatoslav was like, hey, I'm going to move the capital. See you, mum. And, and she's like, can, can you not? I'm kind of sick. And he's like, fine. And then she died three days later. And then he moved it. Yeah, pretty much immediately. <laughs> he would weep for her, along with the entire population of the Kievan Rus. She had been a much-loved and respected leader until her passing. Where did he move the capital to? Uh, it was just somewhere else in the place. It wasn't really important. Okay. I don't, it, it was it, it was not a town that you know. Is it, is it where yeah. modern day Kiev is near? No. Okay. This Kiev in this story is it's Kiev today. Okay. Yeah. So why is this absolute menace a saint? During her life, Olga had converted to Christianity in the 950s. Without going too deeply into it, there was a rivalry for power in the Christian world at the time between the Catholics, led by the Holy Roman Emperor, and the Orthodox Church, led by the Byzantine Emperor. In 1054, there would be something that they call the Great Schism. But in the time before this, both sides were competing to get as much support as possible from the people of Europe. Christian leaders would bribe pagan leaders to convert, often with money or marriage. And while in Constantinople in 957 AD, Olga would see the benefits this might provide, and so would begin the process of baptism. While speaking with the Byzantine Emperor Constantine in Constantinople, He would become smitten with her after finding her beautiful and smart. Constantine would propose marriage, but as we've seen, Olga didn't want no man. Mm -mm. (laughs) She she would inform uh, Constantine that she wanted him to be her sponsor for baptism, which would also make him her godfather. Once she had been baptised, Constantine would again propose marriage. So she's like, why would you want to marry me if I'm not 
She's a like, Christian. And she's like 55, 50, yeah. late 50s at this time. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, why, why would you want me if I'm not Christian? I'll get baptized. I want you as my sponsor. Mm-hmm. So once she'd been baptized, Constantine would again propose marriage, at which point Olga would inform him that it was in fact illegal to marry your godchild, and so he could not marry her. She's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> so smart. Constantine would say to Olga, Olga, you have outwitted me, before giving her a number of gifts of gold, silver, and silk, before dismissing her to return to Kiev. She must have been a looker too. I imagine... Anyone that had food at that time would be a looker. (laughs) Okay. She had learnt a lot of the Christian faith while in Constantinople and would make efforts during her time to convert the people of Kiev to Christianity. While her son, Svatoslav, would not follow her into the faith, her grandson, Vladimir the Great, would, and in 988, would make Christianity the official religion of the Kievan Rus. So sadly, after her death in 969, nice, but... um, because of her efforts, mm. her grandson converts the, mm-hmm. the... Yeah. Due to her being the first of the Kievan Rus to convert, the eventual Christian community of Kievan Rus and the countries that followed would see her as their leader. Nearly 600 years after her death, in 1547, the Russian Orthodox Church would name her a saint. The Roman Catholic Church would follow suit. She is considered as the patron saint of widows and converts. Today, there are right. monuments and churches around the world that are dedicated to her. Her legacy of revenge isn't actually what she's mostly remembered for, more the great leadership and conversion efforts. But I, personally, feel that the trail of dead Drevlian bodies <laughs> is much, much more entertaining. It was pretty entertaining. Flaming birds. That's Flaming birds. Yeah. What a way to get them. That's so smart. Yeah. It's just like a system, like revenge in just intelligent ways every time. Just mm. like, you know what? Yeah, I will accept that marriage proposal. How about you go back to your boat and we'll carry you in tomorrow? Hey, get that hole ready and then just fill it in. Hey, you stink. Go have a shower. Burn them to death. Hey, everyone, come out and have this big party. Kill them. Good times. What you looking up? The origin of the word ruse. It'll be Latin for sure. Latin? Yeah. Old French. Uh-huh. And it was mid-14th century. Okay. So, so not related at all. Nope. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so what'd you think? It was good. It yeah. Was, um, Not going to mess with Olga? That was like an action movie. Yeah. It started with their conflict and the, the, the big set piece at the start of ripping a- Ripping a bloke in half. Ripping a king in half. Splitting him like an apple. Oh. Yeah. Have you seen someone do that? Split an apple with their hands? No. It's incred- incred- It's insane. People just like with an apple. Someone did it at work and I sat there for an hour trying to do it. <laughs> did you do it? Nope. Got really sore hands. <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, she was just very smart. Yeah, like what a what a intelligent woman. Yeah, role model. I've I've got nothing to add to it. It's just uh, it's, the story speaks for itself. Yeah, I just love how she just kept escalating. Mm. She's like, I'll kill twenty. I'll kill some more. I'll kill five thousand. I'll kill the whole town. <laughs> I'll destroy the whole town. Yeah, so and just in ways of, you know what? I reckon. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to bring it back to Game of Thrones. I feel There's like probably you can see a few. I can. I feel yeah. like George R. R. Martin's heard this story, absolutely, and he's, and yeah. he's adapted it because the Red Wedding for yeah, one, for sure, which is very similar to the the, the party and all that. Yeah, and then the burning the city down. I don't know if it happens in the books because he hasn't written it in the books, but at least in the TV show. Yeah, I mean, spoiler last for the, season, I guess the last season. Oh, of, if nobody's, if somebody hasn't seen it and they're waiting to yeah. see it, that's their fault. Yeah, where 
It's been like eight years. Khaleesi burns down King's Landing with her dragons. Mm. Like, it's very similar to yeah. burning the city down with birds. I, I think he may well have read this story. Mm. Yeah. Or knows of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, the Revenge of St. Olga, boy. Wow. Yeah. Um, if you like this story, and even if you didn't, hit us up on at Cheeky Tales Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Share your thoughts on the story. Share your thoughts on us. Um, only if they're nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, jump jump on there. Share the episode with a friend if you can. Um, it would be really good if we could get some reviews going on Spotify. Um, that would help us out. Or Apple Podcasts. I think those two platforms both do uh, reviews. Uh, and yeah, share us around with people that you know that um, are interested in this sort of stories. Uh, it'd be great to grow this podcast. You're up next, boy. I am up next. Got an idea? Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I am looking forward to our mead session next Oh, yeah. Podcast. We're going to drink some mead. We're going to have to do it on a Saturday so we can get sloshed. <laughs> it probably tastes disgusting. <laughs> it's going to be gross. <laughs> All right, boy. Thank you. I will speak to you next time. See you guys.